Welcome back to Terry Beckert's Government and Public Sector podcast series. This will be the third in our mini-series about SFAS 54 leases. Uh, please make sure you check out the first two parts of this podcast series uh, where we went over uh, learning about the standard, how to engage others within your organization on an implementation team, and about completeness around your uh, leasing population, including embedded leases. I'm your host, Danny Martinez. I'm the Government and Public Sector Accounting Advisory Lead. I lead uh, the firm's federal and state and local um, accounting advisory projects, which include implementation of new standards, such as the new federal leasing standard. With me today is Jack McKee. Jack, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, Danny. Thanks for having me. My name is Jack McKee. I'm an advisory manager in the government and public, public sector group here at Cherry Becker. Our group specializes in financial statement preparation, audit preparation, technical accounting challenges, and the implementation of new standards, including uh, Statement 54. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for joining. And so I, I just in the intro, I kind of touched on what we've done so far, right? We've we've gotten to the place place where we feel really good about completeness of our leasing population, right? We've, we've done that hard work, we've gathered them, we feel really good, we've got it all documented. So the question then becomes, why can't we just jump to the journal entries, right? You, you've done all of that work and you're like, okay, I wanna, see, I wanna get the journal entries, I wanna be able to put the information uh, onto my financial statements. But in looking at our four phase implementation process, we have this third step. And this third step is about uh, policies and procedures. So, Jack, I was wondering if you could help me out and kind of tell us what we're going to be trying to do in this third step. Yeah, sure. So the the goal is really to focus on two distinct areas of your policies and procedures. So the first item would be to assess the current state of your policies and procedures. So how are you currently identifying your leases and tracking them? And then the second item, you know, based on what you're currently doing, what do you need to change going forward in terms of updating your policies and procedures really to make this process a lot smoother um, beyond this initial year of implementation for the new standard? Okay, great, great. No, that definitely makes sense. And so when we're talking about current state, uh, what types of policy procedures are you seeing within our implementation projects uh, that need to be updated? So we're seeing several things. Um, probably the first would be, you know, entering into leases. So, you know, who has the ability to enter into these contracts and really taking a look, should that authority level change or should there be some sort of notification or, or mechanism in place to ensure that the accounting department knows what's happening um, when these leases are entered into? Another item would be, um, how are you capturing your leases? So as leases come in, how are they being logged, recorded, and um, tracked on a, on a go-forward basis? And then the other item would be, you know, any updates that you might need to do for the new standard to your chart of accounts. So taking a look, do you have all the accounts in your general ledger? Um, you know, the main accounts that you're going to need are, you know, a right-to-use asset, a lease liability, lease receivable, and unearned revenue. So taking a look if you need to, to update any of that. Um, in preparation of of the implementation. Yeah, one of you know to to kind of add to your point, one of those things related to your current policies. You, know, you touched on that authority level change. What people are finding through these implementation processes is that 
different departments um, within different agencies or even um, sub departments within those agencies are able to enter into leasing transactions, you know, where, where they're committing uh, the governmental organization for, say, 10, 20, 30 years and accounting really had no idea that, that those types of financing arrangements were out there. So using this uh, statement 54 as a way to determine, okay, does that make sense? Is that appropriate as far as the level of authority or does it need to be you know, more centralized or brought in-house, I think is gonna be um, really important. So Jack, that that's really helpful. Uh, I think the, the next thing I wanted to make sure that we touch on is you know, there are things that aren't even in the current state, you know, haven't really been contemplated in terms of policies and procedures because they're, they're new things to think about with the federal leasing standard. And I want to touch on a few of those that that we need to be um, looking out for as far as as far as future state. And so a couple that I that I have in mind would be lease materiality, right? So we're taking these leases and we're putting them on the books, right? We're grossing them up using those chart of accounts that you uh, that you touched on there. And so with that, uh, government organizations are entering into you know hundreds and or in some cases, thousands of leases. And so with that, what, what's the line that they're going to be using in terms of materiality? And the thing that they want to be thinking about there is not just the materiality of what an individual lease would look like on the books, but if you were to take all of the leases under that dollar amount in the aggregate, would that still be, um, would that still be uh, immaterial? Or you know, where would you really draw that line? So that's one place. And the other one would be discount rate. So um, in the in the federal leasing standard, you know, they touch on using the, um, the 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 federal agency's incremental borrowing rate would be the Department of Treasury borrowing rate um, for the securities. So making sure that you're building in that discount rate into uh, your policies as well. So I, I touched on a couple, Jack. Well, what are some other future state policies and procedures that we need to be uh, looking out for? So I think there's a, a few others to mention. Um, one of the most important is going to be taking a look at um, your lease options. So that would be an option to extend a lease agreement or terminate and how you're coming to your determination um, if that'll be probable. So more like, likely than not or, or greater than 50%. And that's really important um, to have a policy in place and a procedure for going through that process because it's going to significantly impact these lease liabilities that we're we're putting on the books or these lease liabilities, how far these leases are extending into the future are really gonna impact that. Um, another item to note would be the intergovernmental intergovernmental leases. I think we were all really excited when we read the new standard and you know we saw that these uh, intergovernmental leases were gonna be excluded from the balance sheet presentation. But I think what's really important to note on this is this part of your lease population, you really need to segregate and have all of that information available because there is a required note disclosure um, that you're going to have to have in your financial statements. So you're going to need to know the terms of those leases, um, the lease expense, and, and what asset categories they're going to fall into. So really having a good policy and procedure along segregating that. Um, another item to note would be the short-term leases. So as a reminder, you know any lease that is 24 months or less as of the implementation date can be excluded from your balance sheet. So, you know, documenting how you're coming to that conclusion, how you're going through that evaluation 
um, in your process for, you know, segregating and then ultimately excluding these short-term leases. And the last item I'll mention is um, any lease modifications or impairments. So, you know, how are lease modifications going to be reviewed? And then, um, you know, if there's some sort of a remeasurement that has to occur um, in the future. So you touched on the discount rate. So if there's a, you know, a modification in a lease that, that triggers that remeasurement, what's the process going to be to track these things um, on a go forward basis and to, you know, ensure that, that they're being accounted for correctly, not just in this year of implementation, but, but moving forward. And um, another thing that, that's really important to remember, these, these leased assets that we're putting on the books, they're going to be subject to Statement 44, the accounting for impairment for your property, plant, and equipment. So you're going to need to have a process in place for really taking a look and evaluating impairment, you know, really on a yearly basis and making sure that you have that procedure to, to go and take a look at these things, um, just like you would for, for any other asset. Perfect. Th thank you, Jack. I think that was a really... Uh thorough explanation of all the different items, both within the the future and current state that need to be thought about. And hopefully now our audience kind of understands, you know, why that third phase uh, really is so important. So I'm going to end this edition of the podcast with a question that I ask all of our guests. So a lot of federal entities are about to embark on this uh, lease implementation journey. Uh, so what words of wisdom do you have in terms of the uh, implementation process or something that you've seen uh, happen with other governments as they're implementing leasing standards that you would like to share so our audience is better prepared when they uh, go on their own implementation journey? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that it's important, you know, as we're looking at, at this phase of implementation is to allow time to compile all your known leases and to have information available to everybody that's going to be involved in this process. So, you know, taking this, this technical, you know, finance and accounting language, providing checklists or resources to anybody that can enter into a lease contract. That way you can ensure that you're getting your full lease population or, you know, casting that, that big net to get as many of these as you can. And then as you're going through that process to do a good job documenting the procedures you're taking to ensure the completeness of that lease population and, you know, touching on the things that we spoke about, you know, what is your process for these intergovernmental leases? What's your process for these short-term leases? And, you know, what are what's the process for, you know, contracts that you reviewed as part of this implementation that turned out to not be leases, you know, service contracts. So having a, a really thorough documentation trail for that to be able to provide, because completeness is going to be really one of the biggest audit risks associated with this and, and just ensuring you have all those pieces in place as you're beginning this phase. Great, great. Well, th thank you again, Jack, uh, for joining and, and sharing your knowledge. Uh, if you want to reach out to us to discuss your own federal implementation and how uh, Cherry Becker can be of assistance, you can reach me at danny.martinez at cbh.com. You can reach Jack at jack.mckee, M-C-K-E-E, at cbh.com. Uh, you can also find both of us on LinkedIn. Uh, thank you again to our audience for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast. Make sure you listen to the two other phases of the podcast that we've already put out and be on the lookout for the last phase of the podcast where we will complete the um, Statement 54 implementation roadmap. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon.